Ten minutes it is before 8 p.m. You tuned in to Metro FM Talk at the start of this new week. And uh, we take a look now at uh, what's happening in the marketplace. And I'm joined by Snesa Pumani Indra, independent market commentator, analyst and CA on this Monday. Good evening to you, Snesa Pugunjan. Evening, Awa. How are you? Uh, all else considered, Siakubas Manga. Siazam, Siazam, Siazam. We, um, no, no, I mean, I say it not in jest or anything like that, but uh, I think all of us ought to be ashamed. Um, and as I said to Amakhetle as we wrap that up, um, I think it's about time we stop and move away from the talk shops and waxing lyrical and ha- hanging our heads in shame uh, and actually ah. put money where our mouths are and fund programs that are going to be able to confront this organizationally rather than just um, from a sense of outrage and, and just standing there and saying, ooh, sham, Agunzima. No, you know how I feel about gender-based violence. I, I, I try not to have discussions because it's going to put me in a bad mood. Yeah. Also because I just believe that I dislike performative men. Mm, <laughs> and mm. I'm, over, uh, I'm over the whole gents who must do better. Sure, I'm over sure. the whole thing, the whole performative narrative. The truth be told is that if men wanted to end gender-based violence, they could. Mm. They just choose not to. Thank you, thank you for that, Snesipo. And uh, I guess the challenge of moving away from the pageantry of saying, "Let's do better," uh, and effectively organising around eradicating it. And uh, I agree with you. I think the the solution rests with men. Um, and it seems that it's been the ladies who have been doing all of the work, which is a real pity. But um, let's shift to some of uh, what's been happening in the marketplace, uh, Snesipo. I'm quite interested in uh, what you make of the trading update from Telcom now. Uh, um, they, they were giving some guidance here about how their results are going to come out for the year ending in March, uh, which I guess sort of includes about two weeks of uh, the state of uh, disaster, um, the state of uh, disaster, and of course the COVID nineteen. But uh, what do you make of uh, what's happened here with um, their restructuring, and of course some of the retrenchments that have now been effectively put mm-hmm. on hold? Uh, what do you make of that? Um, so when Telcom uh, needs their trading update, um, it was for the year-ended uh, March period. I think for some of us, it was just literally uh, stating the obvious. So we all knew they announced the retrenchments last year. I think we discussed it last year on the show, the fact that they were doing retrenchments. And we all talked about the fact that Telcom has been borrowing quite heavily over the last couple of um, borrowing over the last uh, couple of years or so. That's due to their increased investment into their technology framework, technology business, because we've moved away from fixed uh, line business to more of a mobile business. And also, we know the talk they've had with the failed talk they had with Southie. So for me, the results cement what we already knew, and we just need to brace for it. Now, the question is, once, 31st of March period has rebased, and we now look at September. September results, personally, they're going to look a bit better. And depending on the interest bill, will mm. look lower, mainly for the fact that the interest, the cost of borrowing has come down. Yeah. Has yeah. come down. Number two, as you know, the demand for data during this COVID lockdown period has been unprecedented. Mm. So, so you expect a few things, but the big thing for them is how are they going to manage their debt position yeah. going forward? Going forward. Nesipo, what do you expect from them, I guess, come September when it comes to their fixed line revenue? Because we do know that um, certainly that's one of the, uh, I guess, higher margin segments of their business and it's taken somewhat of a beating in these numbers. But uh, what do you make of it now that everybody's stuck at home and probably closer to their landlines? Uh, I don't think 
so. I think I think I think I think we've just moved towards the mobile. So it's going to be better than the period before. But it's, I don't think it's going to shoot the lights out, personally. Personally, because I think we are in a mobile world. The issue with the fixed line business is that if you look at the number of connections, they've been on a downward spiral. They've been losing clients. Mm. And in some cases, they've had to close some of the product service offerings because the demand is just not there from the consumer side. So you have to look at it from that perspective. Now, now the other thing, Slesipa, I wanted us to uh, talk to, and uh, we'll certainly come back to uh, what's happening at Telcom. Uh, I'm quite interested in how the next, um, I guess, few months are going to pan out for them. Uh, let's talk briefly now uh, about, I guess, some of your own views of um, uh, what you make of uh, Facebook here, which uh, is uh, flatly refusing to share advertising revenue with some of the big uh, uh, media players in Australia and uh, the competition authorities in that country. Uh, I, I guess trying to push for some agreement here between uh, Facebook and uh, some of the um, news agencies uh, when it comes to advertising revenue and, of course, other issues uh, such as the sharing of data and uh, questions of, uh, I guess, customer privacy? Um, so I think the Australians must let it go. Facebook is the biggest news site globally. They must let it go. <laughs> must let it go. They honestly must let it go. It is not a site they're going to win. Yeah. Like, I think, I think I'm at a stage where I feel Facebook is massive. I think sometimes we forget how massive it is. Facebook is entrenched to everybody globally. So the guys in Australia are crying because truth be told is now social media has become sort of the new news network. If you want to find out something, Mm. I'm more likely to find out about it on Facebook or Twitter before I check my new 24 app. Hmm. And that's just the reality of it. And because if you look at it on social media, because I was actually looking at it earlier on, was that Facebook will give you a snapshot, so you don't even have to click on the news site. The truth be told, you even got like, I was looking at the CNN, talking about the founder of Hello Kitty, giving away his business to his grandson. You know, it's little things like that. I think the dominance of Facebook is such that, unfortunately, news organizations are, are negotiating on the back pedal. Mm. They need the revenue from Facebook because they're facing, the, we all know the media industry globally, locally, is seeing fire flames. So, unfortunately, they can try. They really, really, really can try. But the truth be told is that people give Facebook the information willingly. And unless you can bring, break that willing consumer relationship with social media, the news organizations are shamed to nothing. It just must be strong, strong, friend. They really must be strong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here I was thinking that, uh, you know, there might be, I guess, uh, something here for uh, uh, these news agencies. I mean, when you put it like that, Snesipo, and uh, these guys are clearly not going to get any advertising revenue if Facebook has anything to to do with it. Um, If they don't get that revenue, I mean, one of the cases they're making here is that uh, uh, all of the advertisers have shifted uh, to uh, advertising through Facebook rather than going to the publication directly. Is there a prospect for some of these surviving? I mean, I'm thinking of Rupert, Murdoch, uh, Rupert uh, Murdoch's uh, News Corp, uh, one of the, I guess, um, larger players in the Australian space and even uh, Nine uh, News. No, I don't see them existing. I actually don't see them existing. Ten years from now, I honestly don't see them existing because their business model has been rendered defunct on a fundamental basis. So... For me, they can try, Shane Detuna. They really, I'm with them trying. But fundamentally, our consumption of news is no longer tied to 
the media houses. It's tied to individuals within the collective that is social media. Mm. So unless uh, the problem was, and this is what happens when you get caught sleeping and you end up being cannibalized live, you don't have any position to stand on. Yeah. Sensible. Uh, let's come back home now. And uh, I was saying to some of our listeners last week, I took an opportunity to go to some of uh, the labor centers in Krugerstorp, Ruderport, uh, Randfontein, and uh, also the one in Randburg. And I must say, I mean, I, yeah, I was a bit unsettled by what I found there. Uh, and I guess it's uh, now uh, playing itself out in some of the remarks that uh, the minister was making here, saying that many employers uh, have uh, stolen money meant for workers, uh, meant to augment their salaries or even to replace those salaries for some of those who've been laid off. They've stolen the money. They've used it for other things. And in some cases, they've even uh, given it to their workers as a loan. Oh, yes. But, but Aya, we talked about this weeks ago. And we talked about the main issue with the UIF process is that your employer acts as, a, as an agency for the Department of Labor when it comes to things that you have. They collect, they pay over to the department, and they also receive from the department. They act as that agency mm. because the department has not capacitated themselves in such a way where they link up with the SARS system, which I think would have been the solution for this. How, and because of that, because of that, unfortunately, and this is the unfortunate part, if your businesses are not earning revenue and you get this money in your bank account, although it's meant for your employees, let's talk about human basic greed not even greed, you have to pay rent. So you see this money, you end up deciding to pay rent with it. And the truth be told is that you need to know that the cluster of employees who have been affected by the UIF um, claim are your lower income employees. So the education level, so they might not even know that they've received the UIF money. And furthermore, I think a couple of weeks ago, I think first week of May, um, someone made a list of all the companies. The Department of Labor released a list of all the companies that have received the UIF um, benefit as relates to COVID relief. And a lot of people only found out then that they actually should have received their full salaries, but they didn't. And it's just for me a function. It's, it's a function you can't trust people with money. Like sure. it, the basics of it, I, I knew for a fact that mm. some people were going to get their money stolen just because, think about it, you have rent to pay, you the owner also have bills to pay, you still have working capital pay. You see this money coming in, even the most nicest of people, greed, human greed always plays a part because remember a lot of the companies are SMEs. Mm. Let's, talk, let's talk I guess on the flip side of that about some of those who uh, have had the opportunity now to have some of their workers benefiting from the UIF uh, but uh, who hadn't registered or had registered but had fallen in arrears so they hadn't been making their contributions uh, and in, I guess in so doing owe the UIF which is, which is a, I guess a quite an interesting concept in this context. Uh, where the UIF is paying out so much money that uh, there are also many employers uh, who are now in arrears with the Unemployment Insurance Fund. And uh, the fund is saying that, uh, yes, we see that there's COVID-19 now and we might give you some reprieve, but at some point you're going to have to pay that money back. Yes, yes, you have to. The thing with the UIF, and this is where we are with UIF, UIF, as well as employees tax, because of how employers act as collection agencies, you've heard of numerous, DJs being in trouble and companies being in trouble for now. Even SAA was not paying off 
until you've tested and you are like this thing is such a common <laughs> problem <laughs> and I corrected myself I said it's express so you've got this and people have a culture of saying that because let's say you get paid 10,000 rand a month you have 2,000 rand in tax and maybe 150 rand in UIF that you have mm. to pay per month it's just an example you getting the net salary as the employee. The employer is supposed to take that money and pay it over to SARS. Unfortunately, our economy, because our economy is already in a downward spiral and people were already struggling, mm. a lot of them were not doing the collections. Yeah. And yeah. you and you and and literally this is where I have empathy for the employees on this on this side because you're yeah. like, I paid it. You're like, I paid it every month. Mm. It was deducted from my salary every month. And when it comes to now meeting us, yeah. I come to find that my employer has not been paying this. And after standing in a, like two days of a queue in some cases, but we'll certainly pick up some of the themes that you're raising there uh, just after 8 p.m. in our Shop Stewart's Corner.